Bible readings this morning are coming from Exodus 3 and also from John 14. Exodus 3 and John 14. You might notice last week Kevin used his phone to read the Bible reading, but my eyes like something a bit bigger. <laughs> so I like to print it out off the internet, although with my skills it usually takes me half an hour to find it and work it all out. <clears throat> Exodus 3, at commencing from verse 1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out out. God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet for the place in which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the Lord of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they asked me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And reading in John chapter 14, just a few verses there, one to six. <clears throat> Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. <clears throat> Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, 
I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And that's taken from the English Standard Version. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a God who speaks. A God who has never been silent. You have spoken through creation in these last days. After the prophets, you have spoken through your Son. And we pray now, as your word has been read, and as your servant opens his mouth, I pray that you would speak again. I pray that you would speak loudly, clearly. And Lord, that you would draw us to you, that we would see something more of you, that we would hear something more of you, and that we would leave changed because of that. So Father, please help this dumb ox stand aside and speak to us now in Jesus. Amen. Well, good morning, Chapel Street. Good morning to those of you online as well, from near and afar. It's good to welcome visitors here as well. I'm Sam, in case you don't know me. It's not very relevant, but I thought I'd say who I am. Uh, we're going to take a, a break this week from the uh, study that we've been doing in Ephesians. I thought uh, if the Lord gives opportunity, it might be good for us to sit and listen and learn about the I Am sayings. There are seven I Am sayings in the New Testament. We just heard one in the Old Testament, and there are more, and they're very significant. They're not normal sayings of the phrase I am. They're very, very significant. In the New Testament, the Lord says that, he says, I am the bread of life. He says, I am the light of the world. I am the true vine. I am the gate. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. And in our passage today, I'm the way and the truth and the life. Now, the way that God says I am is entirely different to the way we say I am. We might wake in the morning and say, I'm hungry. That's what I usually say. We might go to bed in the evening and say, I'm tired. We might in the middle of the day say, I am bored. And those things are true about how I feel. When God says I am, he's not talking in those terms. Jesus does use that word, those phrases specifically to say things about how he feels. But when he says, I am, in the way that we're going to see today, it's quite different. Moses is asked to go back, call the people out of Israel, out of slavery. And he says, well, what will I say when the people ask me, who sent me? And he says, I am that I am. Tell them that I am sent you. The word there is Elohim, or recently that's you know, become Jehovah and even Yahweh, but it literally means being one. Not being one as in one thing. Well, God is one. It means the one who is being. I am. It's a statement about who God is. Real existence forever the one who doesn't depend on anyone else to exist the one who has existed for all time 
the verb to be. Every philosopher worth his salt and her salt over the years has struggled with this concept of existence. How do I know I exist? How do I know I am? And God is saying, I am the self-existent one. Nothing exists before me. I am means God. I am God. Every time Jesus uses that phrase in those seven sentences in the New Testament, he's saying the same thing. He's not just saying, I am the way. He's not just saying, I'm the good shepherd. He's saying, God is me the way. In John chapter 8, we see this kind of argument begin to develop between the Jews and the Pharisees against Jesus, who is asserting that he's God. And the place that the Jews go to to appeal for authority is scripture. What a great place to go. And they find their way back to the law and Jesus rebuttals them. They find their way back to Moses, great patriarch. And Jesus rebuttals them. So they go to the top of the tree. They go back to Abraham. They should really be going back to the I am, shouldn't they? But they don't. And Jesus responds to them by saying, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. You might sit here and think, well, that doesn't refer to God. But let me tell you what they do when they hear that. They pick up stones to kill him. They pick up stones to murder Jesus because for them, they've just heard blasphemy. Before Abraham was, I was, I am God. You make no mistake that Jesus is talking about himself being God when he says, I am. And we have to understand that. We have to know that Jesus really is God. Yes, he's fully man but he's fully God together with them. One being, I am. So we're going to look at the passage together in uh, John chapter 14. As Thanks for reading for us, Jeff, this morning. Um, as was said, it's just six verses, but they are packed with gold. So let's try and open that up and understand that a little bit more. Just read with me again, John 14. I'll read it very quickly. Chapter, chapter 14, verse 1, the Lord says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Just to set a bit more context, the Lord has gone into Jerusalem. The Passover is coming, and what's coming for Jesus is the cross. And towards this part of John's gospel, it's known as the farewell discourse. The Lord is saying things to the disciples and actually to some Greeks too, and, and other people, to encourage them, to tell them what's going to happen, what's going to happen to him, 
and actually what's going to happen to them. In the Bible study this week, we were learning about how if they hated Jesus, they will hate the disciples. If they persecuted him, they will persecute them. And the Lord's trying to encourage them. And so he starts this part of the discourse by saying, let not your hearts be troubled. Don't be troubled. The antidote, he says, is believe in God. Don't be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. It's a beautiful picture there of the Lord caring about his disciples. Don't be troubled. It doesn't mean hard things aren't going to come. They are. Most of them were put to death for their faith. He says, don't be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And he says something quite staggering. He says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Where's Jesus talking about? He's talking about his father's house. Now you might interpret that as heaven. I certainly think it is part of heaven, but I also think it's the new creation. There's also a sense in which it's the cross. He's talking about going to a place. He's talking about preparing something, preparing a place for the disciples. He says in verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I'll come back and I will take you to myself that where I am, where I am, you may be also. Trouble hearts, believe in God. I'm going to a place to prepare a place for you. I'm going to my father's house and I'm going to come back and take you to this real place so that you may be with me. He wants to take them to be with him. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? It's a picture of what? Safety, security, peace. How else are you going to get to the Father's house? He's got to prepare a place for us place of joy. I don't know about you, but I kind of long to be there. Don't get me wrong, I long to be here as well. But I really do long to be with the Son of God, the I Am. Let's look at verse 4. Jesus simply says, and you know the way to where I'm going. Good. I don't know about you, but I always feel a bit sorry for Thomas. But to be honest, if I was there at the time, I'd probably be Thomas. Take things very literally and very physically rather than spiritually. And he's sort of speaking on behalf of the other disciples. He says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. <laughs> we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? How can we know how to get there? And I think it's kind of a fair thing to say. I mean, the Lord is talking about massive spiritual realities. They don't yet understand all of this. They don't understand the cross. It hasn't happened. I think it's a fair question. I mean, after all, if you said to me, I'm going somewhere, and sometime later I'd like you to follow me and come after me, what would I say? Where are you going? 
And if you said, I'm going to Tamworth, I would know I need to take the New England Highway. If you say, I'm going to Ebor, I'd know that I need to take the Waterfall Way. It's a fair kind of question, but it misses the point entirely. And Jesus' response to this statement is profound. Sort of thunders into scripture. I've been meditating on this all week and it's never failed to shock me. Thomas says, Lord, how do we know where you are going? How can we know the way? We don't know where you're going. And he says, Thomas, I am the way. I'm the truth and I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The way is not a road. It's a person, a living person. I am the way, the truth, and I am the life. I want to just unpack these three aspects to what he says, I am, too, so that we can understand them a little bit more. So firstly, then, let's look at what I am the way means. We've already hopefully understood that I am is a statement about him being God. God is the way. It's me, Thomas. I am the way. Literally, it's me. It's me. The way is a person. Not, I've paved the way. I am the way. Not that Jesus sets up this nice model of holy living so that we find our way. He is the way. Holy living, attempting to honor God and bring glory to him, is a response to the fact that he is the way. Not a paved way, a paid way. Jesus paid it all. We just sung it. There's the way. What is that? That's the finished work of Christ on the cross. That's the door. That's the great good shepherd. That's the way that is Jesus. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in I am the way. I am the way. We get there. We somehow, through faith and trust in this way, this person, travel cosmically, supernaturally. Our goal, our objective, is Christ. And that is that he comes back and conveys us, he carries us, <clears throat> excuse me, to the place he's just spoken about, to the Father's house. How? By good works? By walking in a particular way? No. By trusting Believe in God. Believe also in me. Having faith in Christ. Trusting in Christ. Well, then he says, I'm the truth. I'm the truth, Thomas. 
I'm the truth, Chapel Street. Literally, he means the I am is the embodiment of truth. We use the word incarnation. In the Greek, it's ensarkos. Literally means enfleshment, in meat. He is the embodiment of truth. He is the word of God. That's where the truth exists. And he is the truth. And he has the truth. Everything he says, everything that proceeds from his mouth is truth. <clears throat> Jesus reveals in himself the truth of God, the true God. Listen to this, John 1.14. You know these texts. And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, lived amongst us. And we have seen his glory Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of truth. Jesus is the truth that fulfills the Old Testament teachings. John 1.17 For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth, there it is, came through Jesus Christ. Jesus bears witness to the truth. John 18, 37, this is when the Lord is being tried unfairly and unjustly by Pilate. And he's terribly confused about all that's going on. It says, then Pilate said to him, so you are a king? And Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose, I was born. And for this purpose, I've come into the world. Well, what's the purpose, Lord? Well, he tells us to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. That's us. You're of the truth. I hope you're of the truth. You listen to his voice. And Pilate said those awful words. What's truth? What is it? So what? Truth? Isn't that what the world is saying today? What truth? Your truth? My truth? What difference does it make? Jesus is the truth. The word of God describes itself as the truth, the living truth. Literally, the word is truthful. It is full of truth. Every single word from Genesis to Revelation is truth. Jesus is that word incarnate, the living, walking, speaking, displaying God's majesty, truth. He does what he says he's going to do. He keeps his promises. Is that good? Amen? It's good, isn't it? We don't want a God who isn't true. We don't want a God that won't keep his promises. He says, here's something else that's true. If you see me, you've seen the Father. Let's think of the world for a second. Let's think of Satan. Satan is the father of lies. The antithesis. Jesus says, you were a liar from the beginning. Referring to what? Referring to creation and the fall. What did Satan do? How did he tempt Eve? He lied. He lied. He lied about the character of God. He besmirched the I am. He said, God's not true. Didn't he say this? Ah, he doesn't mean that. He just knows that when you eat from this fruit, to be like him. That's what the world 
is. It's a lie about that. Romans tells us that our first parents, Adam and Eve, and ourselves, before we knew Christ, have exchanged the truth for a lie. We've exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for ourselves, the things that we make. The biggest lie, there is no God. The biggest lie, I'm God. I'm God. I'm the one that's important. It's all about me. Forget you, God. That's what's happening in the Garden of Eden. That's what's happening now. The world is lost. It is a lie. Fool says in his heart, there's no God. Well, if that's the biggest lie, what's the biggest truth, Jesus? What have you got? I'm God. It's me. I'm God. And here is the way. The gospel, the creation through to Christ. We see the law, we see sin, we see people rebelling against God, desiring themselves to bring glory to themselves, indulging in their very natures, sinful, erring away from God, rebelling from God. And in the due time, the way, the truth, and ultimately the life comes in in the form of Jesus, who is God. I am. And so he goes to the cross. We know this story. How many times have we heard it? He goes to the cross to pay it all. He goes to the cross for my sin. He goes to the cross because he's the way. See, we're all going to come to God, aren't we, one way or another. You know, no one's going to say, oh, I'll bypass God when I pass on. That's not possible. The question is, who's going to take you to God? Is Jesus going to come and take you to God? Is the way and that truth going to be your reality? Or is it you that's going to take yourself to God? Because you will be found lacking. There will be no room for you. There is no place for you other than hell. I'm not ashamed to say it. Sin begets death. The wages of the reward of sin is death. It is appointed for man to live once and to die and then to be judged. You want to come to God through the way. And the truth, I hope, calls you to that way. And without it, you're lost. You're believing a lie. Even if you believe there is a God. Every other religion believes there is a God. Most of them are believing themselves as God. That's the biggest lie and the biggest truth. The Lord says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Well, what is life? <laughs> we've got the way, we've got the truth. What is the life? Well, the life is real living. We often just think of the eternal life that's coming, and that's, that's it. That's part of it. But it starts now. It starts when we come to know Christ. Living becomes real. We learned from Ephesians chapter 2 that before we knew Christ, we were dead. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. But God made us alive together with Christ through the way. What does it mean 
to truly live. Well, Jesus says this in John 10. Listen to the language. Truly, truly. He says that often, doesn't he? Truly, truly. I want you to know this is true. I say to you, I'm the door of the sheep. There's another I am. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the door. There's another one. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they might have life and to have it abundantly. I just want to be completely honest here and tell you that is not your possessions. Your possessions are to be used for the glory of God. There's a rotten theology at work in the modern evangelical church that says God has blessed me because he's given me this. He's given you his son. He's given you the I am. That's abundant life. And it means that today you can live in a way that fulfills you. You're made for God. Surely if you can live in God's way, you have a fulfilled life. Your joy becomes living for God. That's a transformative thing. How does it happen? Well, the next verse tells us. He says, I am the good shepherd. There's the other one. And the good shepherd, well, he lays down his life for the sheep. Extraordinary paradox that God in his plan to bring us life died. His death that satisfies the law, that pays the penalty for our error and sin against God, our rebellion, comes through a death, his death. Eternal life, starting now, without end. That's what eternal is, without end. That's real life. Do you think that the world that doesn't know Christ is living, really? They're alive, physically. Spiritually, they're dead. They don't know the way. They don't know the truth. They're lost. They think they know life. Life's all about them. I was like that. If I'm honest, at times I'm still like that. To battle in that space. And then Jesus said something so profound. Thomas says, how can we know the way? We don't know where you're going. I'm the way, Thomas. I'm the truth. I'm the life. And the truth gives rise to the way. And the way gives rise to the truth. And the net result, the outworking of this is life in Christ. And he says, no one comes to that place that I'm talking about. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to the place that I've prepared except through me. You listen to the New Age, all those bizarre, confused religions. You listen to um, pretty much any religion except for Islam. And they will tell you it doesn't really matter what you believe. It doesn't matter whether you're Christian or Hindu, whether you believe in reincarnation, we all end up in the same place. For some people, that's extinction. They think we just don't exist after death, after life. Some people, that's, well, God is just good. He will forgive us. 
we'll all end up there. Sam, it's okay for you to believe that Jesus is the way. Jesus says, no. There's only one way. Many years ago, on the streets of Edinburgh, um, I was uh, trying to be proselytized by a Hare Krishna, someone that believed in one of those religions. And he said this to me, he said, it doesn't matter that you're a Christian and I'm a Hare Krishna, we're all going to get to heaven. We're all going to get to Nirvana. And I said, but the Bible says that there is only one way. And it's exclusively Jesus Christ. And he said, really? Who said that? I said, Jesus himself said that. Take it up with him. He says it to Thomas. And he says it to you. So what about you? What's your way? What's your truth? Where are you living? Are you living the way of the world? Are you living the lie, not the truth? Are you going your way? One of the most praised songs, which is the most damning song ever, is Frank Sinatra's I Did It My Way. You did. What did it result in? Did you have access to that room that was prepared by Christ himself in the Father's house? Because you can do it your way, you just won't get there because your sin remains. Judgment remains for you. Christ has died on the cross in our place and people have rejected him. They're still in the lie. They're still dead in their trespasses and sins. I did it my way. Our cry, our song should be, I did it your way. In fact, I didn't do it at all. You did it your way. You came and got me. You called me into the kingdom. You gave me faith as a gift. And I trusted in you. In the late 1990s, I had a job where once a quarter, I used to have to head over to the United States of America and I had to travel around a number of different cities. And towards the end of every trip, I ended up in Canada, which was a great uh, source of joy to me. So my, my grandparents come from Canada. And I'd end up in Nova Scotia on the East Coast, the Eastern provinces, as they're called, maritime provinces. And I remember this one time, it was, it was the middle of winter, and naturally it was very cold, and I had to hire a car. I had to get from Halifax Airport in Nova Scotia to a place called New Brunswick, um, which is sort of west. And uh, Americans and Canadians, they got it all wrong. They drive on the other side of the road. And so I had to kind of trick my mind constantly to make sure I didn't have an accident. I had to say to myself, right side of the road, right, right side of the road, right, come on, keep right, keep right, it's not left. I was pretty terrified. I was doing pretty well, I thought. And I pulled down onto the slipway to go down onto the highway. Better pick up the speed, here comes the highway. And I noticed a sign flashing beside me. And at the last minute, I. I caught it with my eyes. You know what it said? It said, danger, wrong way, turn back. 
what do you think I did? <laughs> Kept driving? No, I stopped the car immediately and spun it round as quickly as I could, embarrassed and terrified. Danger, wrong way, turn back. What's your way? Are you driving the wrong way? Because danger is at the end of that. Terror, unquenchable fire, eternally so. John Piper, one of my favorite pastors, once said the worst pain or one of the worst pains in hell is eternal regret. We ignored the sign. We kept going the same way. Eternal regret. That's all good and well, Sam. But how do I turn? How do I turn back? What does turning back or turning to Christ mean? Well, for me, the golden nugget in this little passage is verse 4. Have another look at John 14, verse 4 again. Jesus says, and you know the way to where I'm going. And it seems, doesn't it, straight away that Thomas's reaction to that's fair and good. How do we know the way? We don't know where you're going. What Jesus is actually saying there is, Thomas, you know me. I'm the way. I am the way. You know me. What's the point there? Well, the point is that the disciples had lived for two to three years with Christ, with Jesus, with the way. They were in what we might just call relationship with Jesus, personal relationship. Peter says, though you have not seen him, you love him. I would like to have been there for some of my thinking to actually have walked and talked and listened and learned and sat at his feet and saw miracles and listened to the very things we're hearing. It would have been a scary time too, and I no doubt would have been troubled. But these guys had relationship with Jesus. Think of the ladies that were in the life of this story as well. It's not just men, is it? Their relationship with him. And we need to know the way. We need to know the truth. We need to know the life. We need to experience that. And to experience that, we need to know him. We need to come into that same relationship with him. How do we do that? Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house and many mansions. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you there. Do you believe me? If we come to the point at some point in the future where we're looking at the I am saying about I am the resurrection and the life. He who, who, he who believes in me, though he dies, he lives. He then turns to Martha and says, do you believe this? And she says, yes, I do. I believe you're the Christ. Well, that's what we have to do. Jesus died for the sin of the world. Are we going to turn? 
Are we going the wrong way? Are we going to turn? Are we afraid? We should be. We really should. This is not life. If you're a Christian, you've started your life and it's going to go on eternally. This is the mere beginning. Have a personal relationship with God. Come to him and say who you really are. Be honest with God about who you are. He knows who you are. What's the point of being dishonest about it? Come to him and say, Father, oh Jesus, I'm nothing. I'm wretched. I want to love you. And the truth is I don't. I love myself. Please have mercy on me. Please have mercy on me. You're my way. You're my truth. You're my life. If you don't, then you're on that road to hell. If you do, that might be today. This might be the day you turn to Christ, and I beg you to. You're here in the sanctuary, and you don't know Christ. You don't know. You don't have that personal relationship. Come and speak to me. Let's talk it through. Let's pray it through. Let's see what God does in your heart. But if you do, then let me encourage you to live an authentic Christian life, following the way. The early Christians were called followers of the way. I wish that we still were called that. Christian was a term of derision. Live an authentic life. The Lord says, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life, who will live the lie and try and I will do it my way, will lose it. But whosoever loses his life, gives up his life for my name's sake and the gospel shall find it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet gives up his soul? What does it profit? Nothing. Nothing. Don't believe the lie. Believe the truth. Live an authentic life in Christ. There's just a couple of things I want to leave us with. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Following. The writer of Hebrews has been talking about the real atoning sacrifice, the full atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The blood of goats and bulls. And in view of that, the writer says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, there's the way, there's the cross, since we have confidence to go into those places that are prepared for us by the new and living way. Did you hear that? The writer of Hebrews really got it. There was an old way, but it only covered sin. The Satan's way, that only leads to, to eternal death and damnation in hell. But there's a new and living way. And it says that he opened up, Jesus opened up for us that new and living way. Well, how did he open it up? It says that he went through the curtain. It says that is his flesh. No man comes to the Father except through me, through his death. Through his resurrection. Let us draw near 
because we have a great high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart, being sincere, living an authentic life in Christ, in full assurance of faith. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Have an assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast. There it is. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith. Life might be really hard for you right now. You have to hold fast the confession of your faith. What is the confession of your faith? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He died for me and I want to love him. My life is really hard, but I want to love him. I'm going to hold fast. The confession of our faith and hope without wavering, because he who promised is faithful. I am the way, I am the truth. He's faithful. Do you have a personal relationship with Christ? I hope you do. If you don't, I beg you, turn, beg him, pray. If you do, how's your prayer life? How are you walking? Part of walking is confessing. We're not holy in the, in the perfect sense. We aspire to God's glory. We fight to be holy. We're called by the gospel to walk in a way that is holy and pleasing to God. But confession is a key part of that. So let me say this to you today. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in Jesus. He's prepared a way for you. He is the way. He's prepared a place. He is the truth. He's going to come back and take you there one day. And he is the life. And you have it now. Believe in God. Believe in Jesus. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, Lord, again, we thank you that uh, your son came and showed the world, this lying dead world, the truth. Showed the world the way that leads to real, authentic, genuine life. Lord, thank you that the word has spoken to us today. Lord, I pray that if there is anyone here, anyone here online, sees this online later on, maybe in years to come, Lord, that they would be called by you. That they would be willing to be honest because they see how much Jesus loves them. Father, do this work in us. And Lord, if we know you, help us to walk in the way, and in the truth, and in the life. In Jesus, amen.